Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda amma ba'd. My dearly respected brothers and sisters, we continue tonight with the explanation of Al-Ha'iyya, the poem related to the topic of Aqeedah by the great Imam Abu Bakr al-Sijistani rahimahullah, the son of the great scholar Abu Dawood, the famous author of Sunan Abi Dawood rahimahullah. And we left off in the topic of the creation of the Qur'an and the refutation of this claim. The great Imam rahimahullah, he began to refute those who claim that the Qur'an is created. And this was an ongoing battle between Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah and the people of innovation. Where the people of innovation claimed that the Qur'an is a creation. And Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, its great ulama, its great scholars, refuted that claim and taught the Ummah that the word of Allah Azza wa Jal cannot be created and that the Qur'an is the uncreated word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh, in the explanation, he says that the Muslims during the time of the Sahaba did not harbor any doubt concerning this creedal issue. The Sahaba had no doubt regarding this matter, and not only this matter, all matters of aqidah. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they took their religion entirely, including the aqidah, directly from Muhammad ﷺ. They were the students of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they did not, have what we know today as different ideologies, different schools of thought in aqidah and whatever else. If they differed in anything amongst them, it would be in matters of fiqh, but it was never in matters of creed, because the aqidah is one, and it was the aqidah they learned from the Prophet Muhammad And that's why when you study the history of Islam, they consider the era of the Sahaba to be the golden era. They call it the golden era. Why? Because it was free from deviance, it was free from corruption, and whatever else. But towards the end of the era of the Sahaba, that's when the people of innovation began to come out. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they did not have these problems, these issues, the Qur'an being created, or the other issues that arose in matters of aqidah. And that's what the Shaykh is telling us here. He said, rather, this fitna, meaning the fitna of the Qur'an being created, this fitna appeared at the hands of the Jahmiyyah. And we've spoken about the Jahmiyyah previously, and we mentioned who the Jahmiyyah are. The Jahmiyyah... <coughs> were the first sect to come out and claim 
or to distort and change Allah's names and attributes and to deny them. This happened at the hands of the Jahmiyyah. They were the first people to say that the Qur'an is created. They were the ones who said the Qur'an is created. And then when the Mu'tazila and the Ash'a'ira, who were offshoots of the Jahmiyyah, they appeared, the people of the Sunnah came and refuted them. Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah never remained silent over the innovations in Aqidah. Whenever the people of innovation created corrupted beliefs, the scholars of the Sunnah would refute them. The scholars of the Sunnah would refute them. And they clarified that the Qur'an was revealed and it was not created, which eradicated the statement of the deviants. The Sheikh says when someone says the Qur'an is created, why do they say this? He says then what this means in reality is that Allah does not speak. That's the whole reason why the Jahmiyyah statement that the Qur'an is created. Why? To deny that Allah speaks. Because if they say it's the word of Allah, which it is, then they say Allah speaks and they deny that Allah speaks. Even though Allah in the Qur'an has mentioned many times that he speaks. But the Jahmiyyah came and denied this attribute. And in order to deny the speech of Allah, they had to deny that the Qur'an is his literal word. So they said the Qur'an is created, it's a creation. And they said that the one who does not speak, no, what this means in reality is that Allah does not speak, and then the Shaykh says, and the one who does not speak is not deserving of worship. And that's true. The one who does not speak does not deserve to be worshipped. And Allah says this in the Qur'an. When Allah mentions what he said about Ibrahim alayhi salam, what did Ibrahim say to his father? إِذْ قَالَ لِأَبِيهِ يَا أَبَتِ لِمَا تَعْبُدُ مَا لَا يَسْمَعُ وَلَا يُبْصِرُ وَلَا يُغْنِ عَنْكَ شَيْئًا Look at Ibrahim alayhi salam's argument to his father. We know his father, Azar, he was the main man who was designing the idols. The father of Ibrahim salam was a mushrik. And he was designing, he would make the idols that were worshipped. So Ibrahim salam used to refute his father. And he said to his father, Oh my father, why do you worship that which does not hear? And does not see and cannot avail you in anything. Look, Ibrahim's argument is what? How can you worship that which does not hear and does not see? If you ask the Jahmiyyah, they tell you, yes, Allah does not see. He does not have eyes. And Allah cannot hear, literally. They deny Allah's attributes. So how can you deny the attributes? When Ibrahim salam is using that against his father, how do you worship that which does not hear and does not see? So the thing that does not hear and does not see and does not speak, 
does not deserve to be worshipped because that's the idols. The idols are the things that cannot hear and cannot speak and cannot see. Not Allah Azza wa Jal. These are affirmed attributes for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And regarding Musa, Allah Azza wa Jal said, and the people of Musa, in his absence, they made the image of a calf to worship. When Musa left Bani Israel, what did they do? They made an image of a cow to worship it. And Allah Azza wa Jal said it had a sound as if it was mooing. They made for it a sound as though it was mooing. Then Allah says, <clears throat> look how Allah refuted them. Did they not see that this image that they made can neither speak nor guide them to the way? So Allah refuted this false god by the fact that it cannot speak. So what does that say about Allah? That of course he speaks. And he speaks with a voice that is heard. As Musa alayhi salam heard Allah. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam heard Allah. In the Isra and the Mi'raj. So subhanallah. They deny that Allah speaks. And Allah refutes the false gods because they can't speak. So look how they contradict the book of Allah Azza wa Jal. The Sheikh says, he could not speak to them, meaning the cow, because it was an inanimate object. <clears throat> it was something that they made. How can it speak? And this shows that a thing which does not speak does not deserve to be worshipped. But Allah deserves to be worshipped. And Allah Azza wa Jal speaks. And he mentions other proofs regarding this. Then the Shaykh says, in summary, the one who does not speak is not suitable for lordship or worship. Because not speaking is a deficiency. Even in Bani Adam, subhanallah. If someone is unable to speak, this is a form of deficiency in him or an illness. But how can this quality be attributed to Allah Azza wa Jal? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not speak. The Shaykh says, if Allah does not speak, then how does he command? And give orders to the angels and administrate the affairs while he cannot speak. This in reality is rendering Allah powerless and incapable. And that's the reality. When they say Allah does not speak, this is claiming that Allah is deficient. And he is powerless and incapable. And Allah Azza wa Jal is far from this. Look what Allah said about his words, his kalam, the words that he speaks. Allah 
Allah Azza wa Jal says, Say, O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if the entire sea was ink for writing the words of my Lord, surely the sea would be exhausted before the words of my Lord would be finished. Even if we brought another sea like it for its aid. No matter how much sea you bring, if you use the ocean after ocean after ocean to write the greatness of Allah's words, the ink will run out before Allah's greatness runs out. But subhanallah, this shows you the corruption in ideology. And people take this matter very lightly. The topic of aqidah. And the different sects in Aqidah, we have to be very cautious that we do not just take everything on face value and listen to anyone who says anything. Especially in matters of creed, everything must be supported through the Quran and the authentic Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and the understanding of the righteous Salaf, the pious predecessors, the first. Three generations. So the words of Allah Azza wa Jal, with which He always and forever commands, prohibits, and, and administrates, cannot be enumerated. They can't be counted. And neither can the oceans and the pens of the world write them down. So the Jahmiyyah, the Sheikh says, they say that the speech of Allah is created. And this statement describes Allah with weakness and it implies that Allah does not speak or command or prohibit. It also implies that the Qur'an is not the speech of Allah. When they say Allah does not speak, they are claiming that the Qur'an is not the speech of Allah. Even though the Qur'an is the first source from which evidence is extracted. So if it is not the speech of Allah, then how can it be used as proof? And this statement of theirs, the Jahmiyyah, where did they get this statement from? Originally, it came from the Yahud. It came from the Jews. Because the origin of the Jahmiyyah is taken from the Yahud. As Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah mentioned, and it's true. The Jahmiyyah only existed because they adopted beliefs and ideologies from the Yahud. And they made themselves into a sect attributed to Islam. And this is not strange coming from the Yahud. For indeed they are those who are known to have distorted and changed the words of Allah. Allah mentions that about the Yahud, that they change and distort his word. So by them planting this deviant creed, this is a strategy to eradicate the Qur'an, which is with the Muslims. All of this is done in order to create doubt within the Muslims, that the Qur'an is not the literal word of Allah, the Qur'an is created, it's not Allah's speech, all of this is done, why? To put doubt in the hearts of the Muslims. But alhamdulillah, the scholars of Ahl-Sunnah 
have refuted this from over a thousand years ago. Then the Sheikh moves on and he says, As for the one who says that verily this issue regarding the statement that the Qur'an is created does not require so much attention. Someone might come today and say, why do you focus on this topic? Whether the Qur'an is created or not. You don't need to focus on this type of topic. Because it is from the speech which is void of any true benefit. Some people claim that. They say, why are you talking about this? There's no benefit in talking about these topics. We hear this a lot, especially in matters of aqidah. As is said by some of the so-called skillful contemporary writers who claim to have knowledge, this no doubt is a false statement. Rather, this argument of theirs is nothing more than a belittling of a very perilous affair which it is not befitting to be negligent concerning. These matters are huge. We should not brush them under the carpet as some people claim. These are topics that need to be addressed. All topics of aqidah and creed need to be addressed and taught and clarified and show truth from falsehood and show sunnah from innovation and show guidance from misguidance and light from darkness. It's very important. We do not say, leave these topics as many people claim. No, these are the most important topics because this revolves around your iman. If your iman is not complete and correct, everything else is worthless as our scholars have taught. So in reality, it is not a waste of words to address this issue like the absurd claim of those who are ignorant. And this speech of this is a deprecation of those scholars who busied themselves with refuting the likes of this absurd ideology. When people try to claim or belittle these topics, they are in reality disrespecting the great ulama who gave their life to clarifying these topics. Not only gave their life, they were punished and tortured for it, for clarifying the truth. Like Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, the great Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, the Imam of Ahl sunnah over this exact topic, whether the Qur'an is created or not, because that was the fitna that came out in his time, and he refused to say the Qur'an is created, and he remained staunch on his belief, he was tortured for it, and he was punished, and jailed, and persecuted, because he would not agree with the people of innovation, and say that the Qur'an is created. They used to lash him, with elephant skin to the extent that it gave him gangrene in his back rahimahullah and they had to carve it out of his back and we know in their time we're not talking five-star hospitals we're not talking anesthetics the way we've got them today for they gave everything for the deen 
and to defend the pure tawheed and the pure aqeedah. And then you have people today who say, don't focus on these topics or leave these controversial topics or these topics are of no benefit, subhanAllah. If there's no benefit in your aqeedah, then what benefit is there? And this statement either comes from someone who is a jahil or someone who does not want falsehood to be refuted. Only one of the two. When people belittle the topic of aqeedah and these so-called what they claim controversial topics, because we hear this a lot, don't get into these controversial topics. Is Allah above the heavens or not? Don't get into these topics. Are Allah's attributes literal or not? Don't get into these topics. No one says don't get into these topics except one of two people the Sheikh is saying. He's either a jahil, ignorant, or he's someone with a hidden agenda. He does not want falsehood to be refuted. Because he knows that the truth will refute the falsehood. Without a doubt. So they try to brush these topics under the carpet. And they try to get you to focus on other Topics, things like motivational speeches, heart softeners, um, uh, topics of seerah and whatever, which are all good, no doubt. But what's the use of all of this if the aqidah is corrupted? If the aqidah is rotten, what's the use? They, they try to avoid these topics in order to stop their batil from being refuted. That's why. So some of them say, the people are free to do as they like. We hear this as well. Leave the people to do as they like. And do not prohibit the people from freedom of opinion. SubhanAllah, freedom of opinion. In what? In aqidah? People do say that. They go, let everyone follow his opinion. Yeah, okay. If it's in a matter of fiqh, that's understandable. But you want to come and say, let everyone follow his opinion in aqidah. What are you trying to say? Let him be a Muslim and him not a Muslim? Let him be on guidance and him on misguidance? No freedom of speech. In other words, they are saying, do not refute falsehood. Sheikh Al-Fawzan is saying, and that's exactly what they're saying. Don't refute falsehood. Let everyone follow what they want. And this statement in itself is falsehood. This is a disease. And they do not want people to clarify the truth. Each person has a right to his or her opinion or speech. This is what they say. The Sheikh says, we say to these individuals... If the situation were truly like this, meaning we just leave the people to believe whatever they want, then the affairs will become chaotic. They are already chaotic with the refutation. Then imagine the people of truth remain silent. Imagine the people of truth remain silent. What will happen to the deen? Imagine Imam Ahmed remained silent in his time. Almost everyone fell into the belief that the Qur'an is created. 
So Imam Ahmad felt the responsibility on his shoulders that no, I must clarify the truth or else the people are going to be lost. And by him remaining firm and refuting the falsehood, the deen was preserved. That's how Allah preserves the religion. On the backs of truthful men. On the backs of truthful men. And it is a must that one recognizes these plots and evils which are made in order to harm the Muslims. The author Rahimahullah said, Surely the speech of our Malik is not created. That's the author of the book. You want to know the aqidah of the pious predecessors? Here. He is one of them. He said, The speech of our Malik, the King Allah, is not created. So he's refuting those who claimed it is. And he said, The Malik and the Malik, and they both mean the king and the owner, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah said, Tabaraka alladhi biyadihi al-mulk wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir. And Allah Azza wa Jal is the possessor of the kingdom. And that's why he is the Malik. The kingdom belongs to Allah. As for the kings from mankind, their kingdom is small and limited. A king lives, then he dies. He no more has a kingdom. Or he might be alive and get over, overthrown. Yeah? So the kings of the dunya, what Allah gives them from the portion is very small, minute, and it's limited. But Allah is the Malik of everything forever. He's the owner and the king of everything forever. And their kingdoms are such that they are constantly circulating. As for the everlasting kingdom which will never cease, it is Allah's ownership of everything. And when the hour comes, on the day of judgment, what does Allah say? لِمَنِ الْمُلْكِ الْيَوْمِ For who is the kingdom today? Meaning where are the kings? For who is the kingdom today? And no one will respond. So Allah responds to himself. And what does he say? The kingdom today is for Allah, the one, the irresistible. And there is no one who opposes this, for the kingdom belongs to Allah Azza wa Jal alone. As for everyone else, their kingdom is only for a period of time. And the author then said, Rahimahullah, that was the belief of the righteous ones who preceded us. Meaning the statement that the Qur'an is not created, that is the statement of the righteous who passed us. This is what the Imam 
mentioned. And that shows that they made this clear to the people because it's something they expressed. They made it clear to the people that the Qur'an is revealed and it is not created. And they did not remain silent. And they did not say that these are the opinions of people or leave the people alone for freedom of speech and whatever else in matters of creed and aqidah. Rather, they expressed this creed with the highest level of eloquence. They refuted the people of innovation clearly. They debated, they argued, and they even wrote books in refutation of all the corrupted beliefs and ideologies. And this is how the true Islam in its pure form was preserved. Insha'Allah, in our next lesson, we begin with the next section of the poem. Wallahu alam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.